The following podcast is brought to you by Pathways Church. Thanks for joining us for this message from our weekend service. We exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Christ. If you have any questions or even a story to share about how God is moving in your life, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at pathwayschurch.us. Thanks for listening, and we pray that God's Word will enrich your journey today. Hey, Pathways, today I want to give a message entitled, Hashtag Blessed. Hashtag Blessed. Now, before we uh, get to Scripture, in fact, if you have a Bible, why don't you go and grab a paper copy? Because I know some of you are watching this on a mobile device, and I don't want you to have to click off in order to find the Scripture. So grab your Bible, a pen, and a notebook, because, man, this message, the Word that God has given me, there's some messages where you just need to take notes, and this is one of these messages. Now, before we get to Matthew chapter 5, because that's where we're going to be studying today, I need to speak to the subject of this new sermon series about memes. What do you meme? Now, a meme is typically a picture with a text that's overlaid and is shared. It blows up on social media and it's shared, it's transmitted, it spreads rapidly. And so I know a lot of you have seen some memes. If you haven't, let me toss up a couple examples of memes. Here's the first one. We all have different uh, accounts that we look online, right? And we have to enter our password. And sometimes, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I can enter the wrong password. And it's like wrong password, wrong password, wrong password. So what do we have to do? We have to reset our password. And then we get this error that says the new password can't be your old password. Or what about this next meme? Let me toss it up for you. It says, uh, it's the stupidest meme on social media. You've seen this lady's enraged face pointing and yelling. You're the stupidest meme on social media. And then the cat corrects her grammar. But here's my favorite one. I laughed so hard when I saw this one because this is totally me. The Midwest stimulus package. <laughs> it's me because I actually collect those free ice cream uh, coupons as well as those tokens. I save 10 of them, and then I get my next kid's meal at uh, Culver's free on them, and I feel like I'm just winning in life. Listen, I know some of you have some really funny memes that you enjoy, so why don't you do this? Hit us up on Facebook Messenger, send those to us, or perhaps just email us, info at pathwayschurch.us, and maybe we'll highlight some of those during this sermon series. All right, so why did we title this series, What Do You Meme? Because there are sometimes when you look at a meme, you don't understand why it's funny. You don't understand what they're trying to communicate. And sometimes this can be true when it comes to faith and life and when it comes to Jesus and his teachings. See, we gain the understanding of what Jesus taught us when we look at the New Testament. But sometimes we, we have stories in our minds or an image, but we don't understand what he is trying to say to us. So this series, What Do You Mean, is kind of a play on words. We're going to ask the question throughout this series, Jesus, what do you mean by that statement? So when we open up the New Testament, we start with the four biographies of Jesus known as the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And two of the Gospels were written by one of the 12, two of the 12 original disciples or the, the apostles when we look at the Gospels. So Matthew and John were written by one of the original, by those original apostles. Now you might ask, well, what about Mark? 
Well, Mark dictates the content, the eyewitness record of the apostle Peter, and scholars believe that Luke is heavily influenced by by Jesus's mother, Mary. That's why oftentimes during Christmas, we read Luke chapter two, when we look at the birth narrative, because who else would know the story of the Savior's birth than his mother? Yeah, exactly. Now, As we uh, look at Matthew chapter 5, let me just set some background for you. First of all, Matthew is a Jewish man writing to a Jewish audience in mind. And this Jewish audience has pinned all of their hopes. All of their hopes are hinged on the coming of the Messiah. See, the Jews at this time, man, life is hard for them. You know why life is hard? Because they're not a free people. They're under Roman rule. And not only are they under Roman rule, there is a madman who's ruling during the time when Matthew records the account of Jesus's life and ministry. The emperor's name is Nero. In fact, in 64 AD, he burns a third of Rome, actually two thirds of Rome. And you know what he does? He blames it on Christians. So he sets the great fire and legend has it that he's on his palace in Palatine Hill, playing his lyre, singing. He's lost his mind, and then he he blames that on Christians. So what do you think the reputation of Christians is at that time? Well, they're not very liked by the people. Not only are they hated and are they oppressed by Rome, they're heavily taxed by Rome. Scholars say upwards of 50%, if not more, of their, in, of their income is uh, shipped off to Rome so that Rome can begin to expand its empire. And medicine? Medicine wasn't like it was today. Me- medicine was very difficult. In fact, 50% of women would die in childbirth during the first century. Life was hard for the Jews. And then Matthew, he writes his gospel. And Matthew's central message in his gospel is essentially this, that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. And that is so refreshing to the Jews. In fact, when we look at chapter one, we see that Jesus is a Messiah when it comes to his family tree because he fulfills all of these Old Testament prophecies. And then you, you read about his birth narrative and you think to yourself, surely God is involved in the birth of this baby named Jesus. And then chapter uh, three lines up where we see John the Baptist who comes on the scene with a simple and singular message. He says, prepare the way, get your life ready because the Messiah is coming. And you remember in chapter three, when Jesus goes to the Jordan River, he has a baptism experience like none other. It's like his coming out party. The sky split, the dove comes down, a voice from heaven. This is my son, listen to him. 
And then Jesus, what happens in chapter four? Chapter four, he goes off. The Holy Spirit sends him into the wilderness for a time of testing. Now, this is critical because maybe some of you are right now going through a time of testing. And here's what we learn when we're tested. What we learn is essentially what Jesus learned. And for some of you, before you go to a new normal, a new way of thinking or a next level ministry or calling or something that you feel God is whispering deep in your soul, you have to understand and oftentimes you go through testing to learn this lesson. Matthew chapter four, verse four, Jesus says it this way. Humanity, people like you and me, we don't live on bread alone, but we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the lead up, the run up to Matthew chapter five, after Jesus has tested, he calls his disciples together and they begin their public ministry. In verse 23 of chapter four, this is where we read the context for the teaching that we're gonna look at today. Matthew chapter four, verse 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every, what did he heal? every disease and sickness among the people. So every lame person, every person who was, who was demon possessed, those who were blind, those who had seizures, Jesus was healing them. In fact, it goes on to say it was in Galilee and Decapolis, it was around Judea. It was about a 90 mile territory in which people heard that Jesus was healing those who were sick. Now, this is a big deal. Imagine if you had a son or a daughter or somebody in your family that was sick. Do you think you'd be looking for this Jesus? You betcha. You betcha you'd be looking for him because you knew that the sign that Jesus was doing in this healing ministry, it kind of was screaming to the Jewish people in their hearts that he must be the Messiah, that the Messiah has come and he is establishing his kingdom. He was proclaiming the good news of his kingdom. Now, this is so central to Matthew's teaching. In fact, Matthew refers to kingdom 54 times. He refers to another term, kingdom of heaven, 32 times. That term is only used 34 times in the entire Bible, and Matthew zeroes in on this term, kingdom of heaven. See, what Matthew is communicating to his listeners and to you and me today is simply this, that there is a king whose name is Jesus, the Messiah, and he's going to establish his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, and this will be an eternal kingdom. Do you realize that? That every other nation, every other kingdom will fall, but God's kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is eternal, and Jesus is king. He is the Messiah. He is the ruler. You know, it's a great thing to know that his blessing is available to us today, that we can live hashtag blessed by the king and his kingdom. 
And yet we hold in tension and balance. We know that our home is not here. Our home is in heaven. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says it this way in Hebrews 13, 14. He says simply this, for here in this life, we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking. Where are we looking? For the city that is to come. See, The ultimate expression of the kingdom of heaven is when we will be with the king forever and ever. Yet, his blessing is available to us now. And so we hold those two things in tension. We hold the the reality that the blessing is now, and yet the full measure of that is when we're with him in heaven in all of eternity. Now, last week, Laura talked about this idea of blessing during the Mother's Day message. She said that blessing, when we think of blessing, we think of those Instagram-worthy pics, right? Those images that that have filters and look beautiful. Some of the things that we might not have, we view those as blessings, blessings out here. And so this week, you know what I did? I went to Instagram, pulled up my uh, feed, and I just punched in hashtag blessed. Do you know how many images are associated with hashtag blessed? 123 million images. And I I started scrolling through them and I thought to myself, hmm, that is so interesting to me. And yet what we're gonna see today, Jesus flips this idea of blessing on its head. He redefines what blessing is. And he doesn't talk about blessing out here. He talks about a different kind of blessing. So let's look at Matthew chapter five, beginning in verse one. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, because the the crowds had gathered, he was healing everybody. So everybody was coming to him. He had some massive crowds. Here's what he did. He went up, on a mountainside, and what did he do? He sat down, and his disciples, his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Now, let me pause here. This is very critical that you understand that Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, until the end of Matthew chapter 7, is what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. This is one of five teaching blocks that Jesus gives in the Gospel of Matthew, and Matthew writes these teaching blocks down. Now, this number five, these five teaching blocks is not a coincidence. In fact, uh, God gave these teaching blocks to his son, and they, they match up with the first five books of the Old Testament known as the law or the Torah, So these five teaching blocks match up with Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Why? Because Jesus is doing something breathtaking in all of these teaching blocks. He is fulfilling and he is giving new revelation and fresh understanding to what God was trying to accomplish in the law. And yet the Israelites, they missed out on it. They missed the main point. Now, 
When we look at the Sermon on the Mount, you have to understand, first of all, Jesus, if I were to read to you Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, Jesus just didn't give those in one, just like one utterance. He didn't just begin to speak and go all the way. This actually was a conversation that took place over several hours. That's the first thing that you need to understand. The second thing is the setting. The setting is at the Sea of Galilee. Now, here's what you need to know about the Sea of Galilee. It's the lowest freshwater lake on earth. And so, therefore, this mountain serves as a hillside amphitheater because it creates a bowl. And I was at the place where Jesus gave this teaching in 2017 with some of you from Pathways. And if you go down at the kind of the base or you lower yourself, you can, when you speak, there are perfect acoustics. The voice travels so beautifully. And so Jesus, in this setting, at the lowest point, he gives one of his greatest teachings. In fact, this is true for us. If you're at a low point in life right now, there are some teachings from Jesus that he wants to give to you. In fact, it's at our lowest point where God does his greatest work, where we can hear his voice with clarity because things are stripped away from us. Another thing that's interesting to me, Jesus goes up and he sits down and he begins to speak on this hillside amphitheater. And those, he saw the crowds, but those who he taught were his followers, the disciples. You know what that tells me? That where you stand depends on where you sit. If you choose to follow Jesus up on the side of the mountain, if you choose to make your life and the energy and the focus of your life to follow Jesus, then you're going to hear his heart. And Jesus always begins with your heart. He always begins with my heart. In fact, we're going to see that. I'm going to prove it to you. Let me read these next few verses to you. The very first teaching that Jesus gives to us in the gospel of Matthew, here's how he starts. He starts with this word, blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. He goes on and he says, blessed, everyone starts with blessed. Blessed are the, the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed, blessed are those who are persecuted because of their righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now notice one thing, it's kind of interesting. Uh, the very first one, blessed are the poor uh, in spirit as well as blessed are the persecuted. You'll see the verb tense is, you'll see it that it's in present tense. Their reward is that the kingdom of heaven is now. It's available now. And what Jesus is trying to do in these verses, he's trying to communicate to us blessing. What blessing means. He redefines blessing. Now, if you're like me and maybe you grew up in church and you heard these verses before, these are what are called the Beatitudes. It really comes from a Latin term, beatos, B-E-A-T-U-S, beatos. It means blessing. Jesus begins in his very first teaching 
to his disciples, the true followers, not the crowds, but those who are going to follow him. What he wants to talk about is blessing. But if you're like me and you grew up and you heard these beatitudes, you thought to yourself, man, they sound more like platitudes, more like little cool, like moral statements, but I really don't know what they mean. Uh, Do you know, can you relate? What do these really mean? I mean, I've heard them before, but Jesus, here's the question that we're going to ask all throughout the series. Jesus, what do these mean? Like, what do they mean? Well, first of all, the verses that I just read to you reflect the state of being in here. They reflect a state of being that, that is in here, in your heart. Jesus always begins in your heart. And when he comes to teaching us about blessing, he's talking about blessing in our heart. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to paraphrase. I'm going to try to put these in my own words that are going to help you to understand, hopefully help you to understand with some language that we would use today when it comes to these beatitudes. I I want to kind of give you a definition, so to speak, of each one of these beatitudes. Now, while I'm doing that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go get a picture Remember the hashtag bless, 123 million images on Instagram with that hashtag? I want you to go in your mind and get a picture of what these blessings would look like as I give a description of them to you. All right, are you ready? Blessed are those. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. What does that mean? Blessed are those who truly understand that their complete dependence is upon God. Blessed are those who understand that without God, they have nothing of eternal value for they will have the kingdom of heaven now. Mourn. Blessed are those who are broken over their sin and the sin of the world for they will be comforted. They will find comfort. They will know comfort in God's forgiveness. Meek, blessed are those who are truly surrendered to God and to the activity of God in their life such that they wait on him and they see that God's Goodness is a part of their life. They will have the peace and joy of God in all circumstances. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those who have a huge spiritual appetite for their souls will be satisfied with the very presence of God. Blessed are are the merciful. Blessed are those who extend forgiveness for they they will find the freedom and experience forgiveness being given to them. Blessed are the pure in heart. What does that mean? Blessed are the holy. For when they are holy, they're gonna find that they're freed from internal conflict and freed from a a heavy conscience, a guilt-ridden conscience. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who go and do peacemaking efforts. For they, they will find the peace of God and they will experience peace with God. And then finally, the persecuted. Blessed are those 
who have and express the heart of God. And while having and expressing the heart of God, know that they're going to endure hardship in a fallen and evil world. Because you know what? They are going to have the kingdom of heaven. So question, what picture did you pull up in your mind as I was going through and giving explanation of these beatitudes? probably hard to identify a picture. Why? Because we don't think about a lot of those pictures. Most pictures that we think about when we think of blessing are out here. And Jesus begins, he wants to drop a bomb on our thought process about blessing because he wants us to understand that blessing begins here. Blessing is of the heart, that Jesus wants to transform our heart such that when our heart, when our inside is put right, we can see God all through life. And isn't that what we truly want anyways? Don't we wanna see God and all of his blessings out here? In fact, we can't see the blessings out here until we understand that we're blessed here, that there is transformation of the heart. Now, as we kind of wrap up and land the plane, I gotta tell you about a huge bomb, another bomb. It's like a mic drop that Jesus drops for his disciples on that hillside. He says this in verse 20. He says, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, you have to understand, this is so huge because what Jesus is saying, I know that your thought process is essentially this, that if I do the right things, righteousness is defined by right behavior. If I have the right behavior, then God will bless me out here. And what Jesus says, do you know that the people who have the right behavior are the Pharisees and the teachers of the law? They were faultless, pure. Not only did they obey all the law, they, they obeyed laws that they made up upon laws. They were faultless. And Jesus said, unless you surpass their right behavior, there's no way you're going to enter the kingdom of heaven. That, that would be like today. Unless you win more Super Bowls than Tom Brady, there's no way. That, that you're ever gonna get to heaven. Unless you sing as good as, I don't know, Adele, you'll never, you'll never have a, a stage to sing on. Unless, whatever it is, fill in the blank. Unless you're that good. For the listeners of that day, they're thinking, oh my word, there is no way. See, what Jesus was trying to communicate in his very first, what he wants us to understand in his very first teaching is that Jesus, he begins with blessing. He doesn't begin with behavior. See, Jesus' kingdom, what's the kingdom of God? What's the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven happens wherever, whatever and wherever God wants something to happen. When it is done, there is the kingdom of heaven. And do you know who he uses to accomplish what he wants done? He uses you and me. And when Jesus begins in his first public teaching, what he wants to understand, what he wants us to understand is that it begins with our heart. It begins with blessing, hashtag blessing. It doesn't begin with behavior. Let me put it this way to you. Jesus is not into behavior modification. He's into heart transformation. 
Now, you might be wondering, well, doesn't Jesus care about behavior? He sure does. He cares about behavior a lot. And if you read through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you're going to see a lot of behavior, a lot of descriptors of what his kingdom is about and how the people of his kingdom behave. But the very first thing that Jesus wants us to understand, he wants us to understand that it begins in the heart. In other words, your behavior flows from the blessing of God in your heart. If you're a parent here today, if you're a grandparent, you need to listen. This is so critical. God always deals with our heart first. He doesn't try. See, for most of us, we look at the world and we say, if we get these blessings out here, if I could just get this and I'd be blessed here and blessed here and blessed here, we're hoping that these blessings would change our heart. But what Jesus wants to do is transform our heart such that he flips blessing on its head. And he says, if I can get blessing in your heart, then you can view and go through this life seeing this as being blessed because I am in it and I am certain to redeem you and keep you and continue to sustain you and give you joy if you would just abide with me. See, where, where you stand depends on where you sit. Are you sitting with Jesus? Do you abide with him? Friends, the most important part of your day is your chair time. Do you sit in your chair? Do you open up the pages of his word, revelatory from God to your heart? Do you pray the prayer of what Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter six when he says it this way? May your kingdom come. Can your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven? This blessed life begins here and it bleeds out through our behavior and we are a part, we're his subjects, his servants of the king, the Messiah, a part of his kingdom. Now, that's good news. In fact, what, what Matthew says is that Jesus wants to be your savior, but, but more than being your savior, he wants to be your king. That means every area of your life comes under his lordship. So if you're here today, you might need to hear these words. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. I wanna close with this passage. Jesus gives an invitation. Come to me. Jesus invites all of you who are listening, just come to Jesus. All you who are weary and burdened, you're exhausted from trying to know all the right answers and, and trying to do all the right things, doing everything out of your own strength to please God. It says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Take on my yoke, take on my interpretation of how you can be blessed because you're blessed in here. Hey, all across our city today, wherever you are and you're viewing this content, can we just take a moment and can we pray together? Would you bow your heads with me? And if you're here today and you need to place your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ, could you just repeat this prayer after me? In your voice, your words, say this with me. Jesus, you see my life and you know my heart. Come and be king of my heart. Forgive me of my sin 
and transform my heart. Throw a bomb on some false thinking and some negative thoughts and some, and some destructive ways and free me because of your forgiveness and your mercy. Now, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would continue to work in and through the life and the heart of Pathways Church. God, help us to come under your lordship. Jesus, you are Messiah. Jesus, we're a part of your kingdom. We're trusting you and believing you. We pray this in your name.